0: Listening to the best of morning drive with Dietrich and White, an on demand audio presentation of redpeachsports.com and ESPN 977.com. Now, here's today's show.
1: Good morning, North Louisiana. What up? How goes it? Aaron here in the Caldwell Banker Group One Realty Studio in West Monroe on this lovely Tuesday morning. Alongside Jake Martin from the Washington Citizen. What up, Jake? What's up? You still foggy? You still groggy from the Big Easy? I'm I'm getting better. Okay. I'm still catching up on sleep. <laughs> I'm getting better. Well, it's called the New Orleans flu or something.
2: <laughs> no, I just had to get get back to working out again. That was it was it was great food, but uh, when you go that long without eating, and you put all that stuff
1: in your body. John Tabor running the board for us back at the uh, Sports Talk 97.7 headquarters in Ruston. Plenty to discuss. Over the next two hours, obviously, we want to hear from you on the Stuart Shelby State Farm hotline slash text line. 888-993-7762. Go to StuartShelby.com for a free quote. Before we get to the starting lineup, we always kick things off or tip things off with the headlines of the morning.
2: Yeah, real quick, cheap plug. We put out our first tweet, and it feels like months. Yeah.
1: Well done. Good job.
2: <laughs> yeah, we kind of started slacking on the... Yeah. Social media. That's a You were on
1: a roll there for a while coming up with a poll question every day and then all of a sudden. Yeah. And you're approached and you were like, Well Yeah. All right, with that said, what's the poll question today? The
2: poll question today is and we'll get into a much bigger, much larger discussion later on in the show because we're going to rank the SEC coaches later on. Where does Ed Orgeron rank among other SEC coaches? Mm. Is he top four? Mm. Is he middle of the pack, five through eight? Mm. Is he nine through 12? Is he at the bottom? Mm. Got a few votes already, but uh, let us know. eight 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 nine nine three seven seven six two. We want to know what you think. Where does Ed Orgeron rank among
1: other SEC coaches? Truthfully, it just got hard to name all the coaches, to tell you the truth. <laughs> it
2: did. You got so many new <laughs> ones. A
1: lot of different changes, and, of course, uh, there have been uh, 23 SEC hires in this decade. Wow. Yeah.
2: Well, and I'll tell you, too, when, when you start forming the list, the, the, That's the why it's the
1: best uh, conference, you say, in, in the country because of the coaches. Who says Or Saban ran everybody off.
2: Yeah. Well, truth be told. Well, but it, it, you do the top, and that's fairly easy, right? Top five, I say, it's fairly easy. And then after that, it's mm-hmm. a lot of mediocrity. Yes, it is.
1: Uh, so we get into the headlines. Where do you want to lead? Let's start with uh, college football, and let's start with uh, LSU. And now appears Matt Canada has found a new gig, as uh, he will take his talents to Maryland, uh, replacing Walt uh, Bell, the guy we talked about yesterday that I uh, thought was going—we thought was going to land the ULM job a couple years ago before Matt Vietor took over.
2: So it's very strange because this is the third. Coordinator, offensive coordinator, to go to Maryland after LSU, uh, following in the footsteps of Stidrawa and uh, and uh, Gary Croton. Oh. Uh So, and those two were, were recent, you know, hires for LSU. So it's it's very interesting that that's where they these coordinators seem to go hmm. after their stint at LSU. Uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll see if he can he can work things out with the head coach and maybe develop uh, some chemistry that he and Ed Orgeron could not.
1: Hmm. Maybe it's because Maryland has some money and it's a nice <laughs> landing spot. A cush spot for former LSU assistants. Just thinking out loud here. Uh, maybe.
2: Yeah. Uh, are you Are you okay with their uniforms? Yeah. You like yeah, them? I like them, yeah. Oh, okay. They're a little over the top. They yeah. are way over the yeah. top. Not, not my cup of tea. But that's a different story. Uh,
1: other college football news and notes. Uh, former LSU Tiger Lindsey Scott, it appears, has found a new home as he makes a verbal commitment to Missouri.
2: I like that for him. I, I really do. I mean, following in the footsteps of Drew Locke, uh, you know, Drew Locke ha- had, you know, a great season last year. Look forward to seeing what he can do, you know, next year. But uh, Lindsey Scott proved on the Juco rank or in the uh, at East uh, Mississippi that, man, he has the talent that we all thought he had, right? I mean, you know, he, a lot you think of think
1: that's SEC talent. Now. Mm, no, yeah, I mean, we're going to find out. <laughs> no, yeah.
2: but he's still. I think he's still a valuable hand, and if he becomes a starting quarterback at this at the SEC level, mm-hmm. good for him. But even if he doesn't, he still gives you a great backup. I, I think a a, a valuable va- backup. You know, just just his skill set can fit a lot of different offenses.
1: Well, that argument, he would have been a nice valuable backup at sure. LSU. Sure, LSU. I
2: never said he was not Yeah. yeah.
1: And, of course, you'll have that offensive mastermind, uh, Double D, Derek Dooley, uh, calling the shots there <laughs> yeah. in Missouri. Sure. So, uh, Lindsey Scott and, I believe, uh, Tulane. It basically came down between Missouri and Tulane. And Tulane was hard after him coming out of high school. Yeah. So,
2: yeah, I think it's a good landing spot for him.
1: Uh, I did see on Twitter, Javier uh, Wade, uh, the outstanding defensive lineman for Richwood, verbally commits to Northwestern.
2: Yeah, great, great grab by them. Uh, he, he, he was a force
1: yeah. last year i mean uh, teams would literally game plan not to run his yeah, way they would
2: run opposite of him sure he, he was a great great player for richwood and uh, one of the key components for that defense and helped spark that run to the state championship game
1: all right if you're an nba uh, fan uh, this is for you how about the performance by uh, cousins last night for the pals an historic performance in actually a victory it was historic. Uh, Boogie had 44 points, 24 rebounds, and 10
2: assists. First stat line like that since Kareem in 1972. Wow. Let that sink in. Yeah. First stat line since Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in 1972. Maybe a
1: little bit of an asterisk. It was a double overtime game.
2: It was a double overtime game, but still, that's still an incredible, yeah. you know, any time you hit 20-plus rebounds and, 40 points, and then on top of that, you get 10 assists, and this is his second game in a row to lead the team in assists. Uh, so he's he's done a great job, and I think what's helping with that is Drew Holiday has really stepped up his game, really picked up his scoring, and so I think that's what's helped uh, Boogie you know, pile on those assists. But if you look at the Pelicans, they've now won five of their last six games. Uh, Three of those came in overtime. Six of the last eight,
1: yeah.
2: Well, I said five of the last six, but yeah, six of the last eight. Three of those games came in overtime, which tells me that they are winning close games, and that is showing you that they're able to close out games, close out tight games at the end, mm-hmm. which is something that. We've we've gotten used to the Pelicans blowing that, right? So this this might you know this is very promising. First of all, and it might be you know the start of something actually materializing with the Pelicans. Maybe they can be an actual
1: contender in the West. 132-128 double overtime win over the Bulls. Uh, They have now go four games over 500 for the first time this season. Uh, Anthony Davis, before fouling out in the first overtime, had a, a nice, solid performance also. 34 points, 9 rebounds, and 5 assists. There's your Pells update for the day. <laughs> uh, we're not done with the NBA, though. Oh. Jason
2: Kidd yeah. got fired yesterday. And so this was interesting, not just because he got fired, which is intriguing in and of itself, because, after all, uh, Milwaukee was 23-22, and let's not forget how bad they were when Kid got there, uh, and he helped.
1: You know his overall record there with uh, the Bucks: one thirty nine and one fifty two.
2: There you go. Uh, and so, what was interesting about this was the way he was fired. Greek freak calls him and says, "Is there anything I can do?" And yeah. Just, <laughs> just the kids going, uh, "What are you talking about?" Yeah. And he has to basically break the news to Jason Kidd that, uh, "Well, you've been fired." And you know. Kid said that you know once you, when when he got when he saw that his phone was ringing he kind of had that gut feeling. Mm -hmm. But that's just an awful way to find out, to find out from your star player that you lost your job.
1: It is always very uh, strange. We get calls up at the station all the time, and some people say, "Hey, I heard this. I heard that." You hear you know stuff, and you're like, "Well, I got to get to the bottom of it, see if there's any truth to it." So you kind of reach out, you tentatively reach out to uh, different individuals to try to kind of find the facts, but when you're reaching out to a coach about perhaps they got fired, uh, it's very odd.
2: Yeah, that's an awkward conversation to have, yes. but he did show his loyalty. He was trying to go to bat for, for Jason Kidd, and I thought that was kind of cool, but anyway, that was, you know, 23 and 22, I guess, you, they look at this Milwaukee team, they see the young stud and, and, uh, and Giannis and believe that, you know, they should
1: be much better than 23 and 22. We mentioned uh, Cousins' big night, some uh, weekly honors for a Louisiana Tech player, Anthony Derucci, the outstanding freshman was named the Conference USA Freshman of the Week. He averaged about 18 points per game uh, last week, uh, also 6.5 rebounds, 2 blocks per game. He made the two crucial free throws on Thursday that allowed them to get the win and kind of break that losing streak. So congratulations to him. And, of course, we look forward to catching up with Eric Cockle for his weekly visit later today. we got a little college hoops tonight.
2: Yeah, LSU taking on A&M, a rematch from what was LSU's, well, I'd say their second-best win of the year. Uh, the, the game where Tremont Waters hit two three-pointers in the last 12 seconds to to beat A&M on the road.
1: Talk about a roller coaster ride. Texas AM has been on it. Uh, when LSU oh. played them, I believe they were ranked 11th in the country mm-hmm. at the time. They were feeling good about this team and where they were heading. Then they proceeded to lose five straight. They've rebounded since, uh, winning two games in a row. But you go from uh, being 11th in the country to being, uh, what? two and five in league play.
2: Yeah, well, they dropped their first five conference games. They're actually coming into this game with a two-game win streak, and so they have more momentum than LSU because LSU's dropped three in a row now. So this is a very, very important game for LSU to to get back on track with and, and, and reestablish that momentum that was actually created when they won at Texas A&M.
1: we got a big night of uh, high school hoops, a couple of uh, marquee matchups, including Del High versus Tensaw, Natchitoch Central, the top team in 5A, comes into West Monroe to square off against the Rebels. Uh, It's going to be a busy week for uh, Wassman, a number of games for them. You look inside that district, a couple other uh, juicy matchups too.
2: Yeah, well, you got, you know, Wassman's going to take on Carroll tomorrow, Mm -hmm. which I'm sure we'll talk heavily about. But the Natchitoch Central-West Monroe game, you know, and talking to the coaches in that district, they all emphasize just how important it is, to win at home in this district. And you see, you know, Washtow beat West Monroe at home, went on the road, lost to Nacogdoches Central. West Monroe uh went on the road and lost to Washto, but actually went on the road again and, and, and defeated Alexandria. So, you know, that's like what Cal Hill told me yesterday. Anytime you went on the road in this district, you know, it can be ugly or pretty. It's it's still a win and you're still pretty happy about that. So it's important to win at home in this district, and that's why the NACA Central game is huge, because let's not forget, the Chiefs are the number one team in the state.
1: Uh, other games inside that district, 2-3-A, uh, you have Carroll at home versus Union, Richwood at home versus Strewington, and as we mentioned, the big week for the Wildcats is they get Madison coming to their place tonight. Yeah,
2: Madison tonight, Carroll
1: tomorrow. Uh, last night there was one game on the schedule, and John Tabor was at it. Another big win for Simsboro. They continue to cruise along. They get pick up two wins against Neville, the a 4A school. Not too bad for arguably the best team in Class B. Taves, what would you think of uh, the Tigers last night, the Simsboro Tigers? Great game, entertaining. Looked like a pretty good crowd, too.
0: For, for a Monday night game, I'd say so. Probably sixty, seventy percent.
1: Neville had a few people they kind of more matriculated in after the as the JV game was wrapping up. But yeah, I'd say probably two thirds, three quarter full for our gym, and it was a lively crowd. On um, close game, I think there may have been one, one small double digit lead there at the end by Simsboro. but for the most part, it was a two or three possession game back and forth. So good test for my tigers on and I'm glad coach Craig quite frankly was willing to bring his boys over there because yeah. it's kind of hard to get big schools to come to Sims- Simsboro because often they don't have a whole lot to gain and yeah. more to lose but, so I, I appreciated it and it's good good for basketball Simsboro moves to 27 and 3 on the season They are chasing after that first title since 1975 Few of the headlines, and we'll get into uh, what took place in the NFL uh, here in the next segment. Is there was a couple of hirings, and then of course uh, the NFL ratings and the fallout from those great Philadelphia Eagle fans.
2: Oh, we got to talk about that again.
1: It's all part of the starting lineup, brought to you by Louisiana Pencare. The starting lineup. Are you crying? The
2: starting lineup. Are you crying? Starting
1: lineup. Are you
0: crying? <laughs> the starting lineup. There's no crying. Let's get to the starting lineup.
1: All right, coming up at 8 o'clock, Gus Kattengill will join us for his weekly visit. Our Louisiana Tech report coming up at 8.30. Eric Cockle, Louisiana Tech's head coach, as the Duncan Dogs won two games at home over the weekend. We'll get in. To, we're going to rank the SEC coaches.
2: <laughs> and we're all over the place on this poll. Uh, right now, 47% people say 5 through 8. Ed Orgeron is 5 through 8. In the conference, uh, among other SEC coaches, second place is nine through twelve. Uh, one through four has thirteen percent. and Bottom of the conference has ten percent.
1: How can they weigh in on the poll?
2: You can either text us at eight 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 nine nine three seven seven six two. We want to hear your thoughts, or you can vote on the poll at Morning Drive
1: nine seven seven on Twitter. We'll give a little tease here. Do you have him uh, hanging on five through eight, or is he at the top of that list? Five
2: through eight. Uh, that's that's a little too revealing. How about I'll say he's in the top eight. <laughs> All right. What about you? Is he quite the, a tease there? What, what about you? Is he in the top eight? On uh,
1: he had to make a strong argument oh, okay. to get in the top eight. Okay.
2: Yeah. I really that shocks me. <laughs> I thought you would have him bottom.
1: We're off and running on this Tuesday morning. Thanks for joining us on the morning drive. We're back after this. Coming up next, we'll talk a little uh, NFL football.
3: Live to drive growth, efficiency, professionalism, qualified staff. It's what all healthcare facilities are aspiring for, and that is what we do. Legacy Rehabilitation, offering physical, occupational, and speech therapy solutions for a wide variety of healthcare facilities, including acute care hospitals, inpatient rehab, long-term care facilities, and outpatient therapy clinics. Whether you have staffing, management, or consulting needs, Legacy is awaiting your call. Call 318-255-5980 for more information, or visit LegacyRehab.net. Legacy Rehabilitation. Peace of mind goes a long way when you have the number one rated gun safe, a Liberty Gun Safe from McKinney Honda. Here's Richie McKinney. We now
1: have over 100 gun safes in stock in 20 different models that range from 12 to 64 gun capacity. They're all fireproof, USA made, and have a lifetime warranty. And prices start at just $399. 12 months, same as cash financing,
3: and delivery is available. For when the unexpected happens, McKinney's has you covered with a Liberty Gun Safe, your outdoor superstore, Ruston good morning louisiana this is the morning drive this hour is sponsored by ronnie ward toyota of rustin
1: all right what storyline do you want to go to first with the uh, fallout from what we saw in the uh, conference championship games
2: uh let's just go ahead and talk about the eagle stands because i know that's your favorite thing to talk
1: about are you telling me yesterday and then on sunday you didn't look at a number of videos, and they were completely disgusted by what you witnessed from Philadelphia fans.
2: Yeah, I was. Uh, You know, if you look at it,
1: just... just The one that bothers me the most is a lady's walking in, and she just is rolling with her phone, and there's Minnesota fans in front of her. She just wanted to capture what it was like to walk into Philadelphia Stadium with those fans. And, I mean, it was literally... It wasn't one or two heckling. I mean, it was literally... It appeared to be hundreds, and they all... Uh, they're, they're about your age, the, the millennials. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. And just literally right in their face and just the language that was used. Sure. And, and, yeah. I mean, that's it was just, it, up, yeah. it was way over the top. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, and we're not talking about one or two bad apples. Literally this looked like no. hundreds of bad apples. Yeah. If not
2: thousands. That's what they're known for though, yeah. man. That's, horrible. that's what, you know, and there's several videos where like Vikings fans are just walking in jerseys and. What do you see in front of them? Nothing but middle fingers. Yeah. And, you know, you're asking for fights, right? Mm-hmm.
1: And that was what was amazing. I saw the stats that I believe only five people arrested uh, during or after the that game. That is an amazing stat. I think only two of them for disorderly conduct. Uh, I think there was two other for, uh, you know, ticket, uh, you know, scalping, and then there was another one. The one that was the most serious was that the kid that went to Temple. Uh, Took another swing and punched a uh, horse. Yeah. Police horse. What an idiot. Yeah. So now that uh, it's revealed that he, he's a student at Temple, they're talking about booting him out of school.
2: Good. Good. <laughs> if you're going to be an idiot, you need to suffer consequences. Uh, I, I'll tell you this they, they need to be more like the Bills Mafia. Uh, Just set up some tables, <laughs> light them on fire, have a good old time.
1: So you're a Minnesota fan. Now you got to welcome these guys in to your community for a week.
2: That's what's awful about yeah. this. Yeah. If they
1: can afford to fly in the tickets, I don't think a lot of those kids uh, your age are going to be at the Super
2: Bowl. I'll no, figure it out. Yeah, it's like
1: student loans. <laughs> I don't even know if those they went to this game. I think they may have just been outside the stadium uh, having a cocktail or two, or yeah. their natural light.
2: Yeah, well, that's a good point too. But you got Eagles fans and Patriots fans two annoying fan bases coming to town, yeah. and you're sitting there just thinking about, man, we were so close to hosting the Super Bowl with our Vikings, and yet we have to welcome in these people. Yeah, that's gonna be that's gonna be tough. I
1: yeah. was at the Patriots' uh, the first win against uh, the Rams down in New Orleans. And I do remember their fans before and after the game. But you got to remember going into that game, they didn't really like their chances. Yeah, they were underdogs. This was yeah. before the dynasty, and started. then of course afterwards, it was just. Uh, in the quarter was just amazing to see and hear those fans.
2: Yeah, I bet that was.
1: Yeah, All right, uh, the other fallout. uh, We had some fun with this uh, yesterday. Uh, Belichick's post-game attire. How would you describe what he wore (laughs) at the uh, podium? Uh,
2: So if anybody ever used to watch uh, Monday Night Raw, Back in the day, uh, when Vince McMahon would come out there to wrestle, he would have this cutoff shirt. <laughs> Looks exactly like that. Yeah. Think Vince McMahon cutoff shirt. Yeah.
1: Uh, so, uh, Twitter is great on a number of fronts, and this is Absolutely. where a lot of people came in. And Sports Illustrated had the picture up there, then went out there and looked for uh, the best Twitter response on what Belichick looked like. Let's just try to describe it first before we get to these tweets. You just said it, just a T-shirt, a plain, vanilla, yeah. uh, kind of a grayish.
2: It's like, why why wear a short sleeve shirt when I can just grab this huge shirt and yeah. cut the sleeves yes. off <laughs> myself?
1: Uh, the easy ones, you know, sun's out, guns out sure. for uh, Belichick. Yeah. Another one here. Belichick in his homemade short sleeve uh, sweatshirt looks like a serial, serial, serial killer on a Netflix show who just ate like 10 people. Uh, other one. Uh, Bill Belichick addresses allegations of loitering at the public library. <laughs> Bill Belichick looks like my dad before he mows the lawn. That's a good
2: one. That's, that's an adequate.
1: Uh, there, there was a number of them, just uh, great stuff. But you would think at some point they need some sort of dress code for Bill Belichick.
2: No, no, just keep it up. Just, sure. just you know, either cut off a sh- uh, hoodie or cut off shirt. It's, it's fine. Uh,
1: now would you say Belichick's attire is more flash, dance, or Hans and Franz? Either way, I love it. Another one, uh, Belichick looks like a dad at a water park.
2: So there you go. Uh, something that I saw that was interesting, since we're just talking about the fallout. Do you know who Little Duvall is? Okay, well he's a comedian. Uh, not a very good one, uh, not for my taste. I actually saw him. He came to Nickel State when I was in college. We were we were supposed to get Nick Cannon, and he was the replacement. <laughs> and it How'd was how's that awful. go over? He was awful. I mean, he was he was just uh, filthy, and it was like not funny, you know. Uh-huh. Uh, it was one of those people who who aren't isn't funny enough, uh, just like saying their own stuff, so they have to you know take it past the a certain point anyway, he went at Tom Brady on Instagram. He's a big Jacksonville fan. and so he um, Tom Brady took a picture with his wife, Giselle after the game, put it on Instagram, and he tweets, i mean he he comments on there and says something to the to the effect of you better not come back to Jacksonville, blah, blah blah. and then, he posts uh, – Lil Duvall on his own Instagram, he post a picture of um, a call that should have been made against the Patriots, but it wasn't made, and he said something to the effect of another example of the Patriots cheating, blah, 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 and Tom Brady liked it. And so I just thought that was so funny that Tom Brady's just sitting here trolling people who who hate on the Patriots.
1: Uh, ratings are back from the uh, both games. AFC title game between the Pats and the Jags pulled a uh, 27.3 overnight an rating. What does that mean? slightly uh down from uh, last year's matchup in the same window that featured the Packers and the Falcons down 14% from the 2016 game that had the Broncos and the Pats so you could say it's the lowest rated AFC Championship game since 2015 but to put that into perspective it's still the highest rated show on television since last year's Super Bowl topping the Academy uh, I Awards
2: mean, look Television ratings are dropping all around. Mm So none of this surprises me.
1: Yeah, uh, the Vikings-Eagles game, you look at that matchup, and, of course, how it turned out, you knew the ratings would suffer. Uh, They had a 24.7 overnight rating, down 11% from last year's window that featured the Pats and the Steelers. Lowest-rated NFC title game since 2009. Lowest-rated late-window conference championship since 2015. With that said, Still, the game was uh, Fox's highest-rated show since last year's Super Bowl. There is news also. Uh, Thursday night football, it is up for grabs, and uh, NBC and CBS came in with offers lower than what they had before. So Fox has come in and offered a little bit more uh, money, according from n- numerous sources. So now it appears Fox will get the Thursday night game.
2: It doesn't make sense to me. You get... Terrible games Thursday night. I didn't, I didn't really pay attention to the ratings for Thursday night football. Can't imagine they were spectacular. Uh, so that does surprise me that Fox is, is trying so hard to, to get that.
1: There were a couple uh, head coach uh, searches that came to an end uh, yesterday. Uh, the Vikings OC, uh, Pat Shermer, named the head coach of the Giants. And the cards go with the Panthers defensive coordinator Steve Wilkes as their new head coach. Scott says Bill
2: Belichick, the uncle that shows up drunk at Thanksgiving and hasn't showered in a week. It's also fair.
1: Yes, but he's good at Uno or horseshoes in the backyard. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> um. Yeah. The, I like. The, I like both hires. I think both hires are, are. 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 You know. I don't know about Flash, but I think they're. They're both uh, good hires.
1: Uh. One other thing, and we talked about the situation that now the Vikings are in with their quarterbacks, with all of them being uh, free agents. Mm -hmm. Uh, Bridgewater and uh, Keenum met with the media yesterday. Bradford was not in the locker room. Both of them said they don't know what their future uh, plans are with Minnesota. Of those three, and we made the discussion yesterday in the debate, I mean, who do you go with? And at this point, I think you probably got to look at Case Keenum. Well, it's tough
2: because you think about how good Bridgewater was before he went down. I mean, he was really, really good. And so anytime you suffer an injury like that, you have to wonder whether or not they can come back as the same player. And if if me, I like the safe bet, you know, Case Keenum showed you a lot this year. He hasn't suffered any of those injuries. So I, I, my bet would be with Keenum. But, you know, Bridgewater makes a compelling argument too because you keep thinking back to what he was before that injury and you go – you know his ceiling is is probably higher than anyone's.
1: Uh, but as soon as Bradford was up and ready to go, they put Bradford back as the backup quarterback and moved Bridgewater to number three. And
2: that's what that's what I question too. Like, you know, you saw we, we I assumed you know that Bridgewater would come back and win his job and take over once he was healthy, but Case Keenum played so well that that never happened. And so that's why I'm just you know, if you would ask me last year, I would say Bridgewater, no doubt. But after this year. I have to go with Keenum.
1: Very important decision for Minnesota, and uh, their defense didn't look like it uh, the other night against Philadelphia. But the the pieces are in place. Uh, you got that salty D coming back, yeah. And offensively, uh, you got a lot of different things to work with, including a couple of uh you know running backs that should be back at full speed next year.
2: Who knows? Adrian Peterson might come back. Uh, there you go.
1: Uh, let's go to the Philadelphia angle. Did see Darren Ravel tweeted out that. Uh, Crisco the number of times that it was mentioned pretty close to three and a half million dollars in free ads that they received as the Philadelphia authorities were putting Crisco on the light poles to make sure the fans did not climb on him it did not work Doug Peterson was not one of those guys on the light poles but he certainly celebrated following the game he headed home he was asked yesterday about what it was like when he returned home and the celebration was on you know what I just went home I just went home uh some family in town, my mom was here. my boys uh, from school were in town had some friends from uh, Louisiana and we just uh we just enjoyed the moment.
0: Okay, sleep. You
1: slept. I did sleep about two a m finally slept got down good. That has got to be an incredible feeling oh no doubt. I want to get back to the Crisco
2: thing yeah. how do you How do you sit there and, and calculate what that value is yes. Worth? Yeah. That is an interesting job. Yeah. Like to sit there and say, Well
1: And then how accurate it
2: is. That's yeah. I don't think it's it's I'm sure, you know, Ravel does a great job and he gets close to it, but come on. How accurate can you be? Well I've
1: always wondered it? the same thing too about the uh, you know, the economic multiplier that they use when you bring an event to your city, whether it's yeah. as a, a big event is you know, the Olympics or a Super Bowl or even a Dixie Majors World Series and they always come up with a number like, this is the impact that this is going to well, have on the community.
2: Uh, yeah, there, there are, it seems like easier ways to come up with that number rather than how many times Crisco was said and <laughs> <laughs> what the computes to in, in uh, marketing dollars.
1: We'll have more from uh, Doug Peterson uh, later today and also much more later this week. Let's take a timeout. Coming up next, uh, Jake over here is giddy to get into these SEC rankings.
2: I'm not good at all. This was difficult. Uh, it's, it's, it's easy at the top, but once you get to the mediocrity, man, you can make some compelling arguments either way.
1: The Morning Drive and the all-new Sports Talk 97.7 back after this.
0: The North Louisiana Orthopedic and Sports Medicine Clinic is dedicated to helping you get back to your old self, maybe even better. Whether a sports-related injury or an accident in daily life has you sidelined, let the progressive all-star team of physicians, therapists, and professional staff at North Louisiana Orthopedic and Sports Medicine Clinic provide superior service and results. Visit us at Monroortho.com to schedule your appointment at one of our three locations in Ruston, West Monroe, or 1501 Louisville Avenue in Monroe.
3: Don't get blindsided by health care costs. Call Vantage Health Plan today. We've teamed up with a network of local providers in order to provide better health care to our area. Vantage crushes the competition with affordable plans. Find out more information on how to join our winning team. Call Vantage Health Plan today at 1-888-823-1910 or go online to VantageHealthPlan.com. Louisiana broadcasters are looking for the best of the best, announcing the 2018 LAB Broadcast Scholarship Program. Two $2,000 scholarships are available to Louisiana broadcasting students to help enhance or put the finishing touches on an education and career in broadcasting. For complete details, stop by this station, call 1-800-364-7260, or go to broadcasters.org to apply. Hurry, deadline for entry is February second, two 2018. The Louisiana Association of Broadcasters Scholarship Program. Good for you, good for us, great for Louisiana.
0: Live
3: to drive. Let's get back to the sports on the morning drive. This hour is sponsored by Ronnie Ward Toyota of Ruston.
1: That's the most excitement you've shown all week there, Jake. All we got to do is cue that music and gets you a little fired up.
2: CBS doesn't play it enough. <laughs> they play that country, that new country. Oh, it takes me a minute. don't to get me started.
1: All right, what's the poll question today?
2: Poll question was... Where does Ed Orgeron rank among other SEC coaches? The options were 1 through 4, 5 through 8, 9 through 12, or bottom of the conference. Mm. And 45% of you said 5 through 8. 33% of you said 9 through 12. No love for Ed Orgeron. 10% said. Nobody's got him ranked in the top four. Top four is the least amount of votes, 10%. Uh. Bottom of the conference got 12%. All
1: right. How can they
2: weigh in? You can either text us at 888-993-7762, or you can vote on this said poll at Morning Drive 977 on Twitter.
1: All right, major turnover in the SEC with the coaches, and that's going to make this even more difficult. A couple stats here, first of all. Only 10 times has the SEC started with the same coaches. Just in this decade, there have been 23 SEC hires. Uh, a lot of that has, of course, to do with just the pressure of winning this conference of dismal performance is, and also uh, just how high now Nick Saban has set the bar for the others in this league to try to get over.
2: Yeah, and that's why Nick Saban has to be number one. I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he is the guard, There will be
1: no debate.
2: Yeah. I was hoping you would go somewhere else so we could have a fun debate, but there, you're at least smart enough to agree with me on that one.
1: All right. Nick Saban and his uh, – Six state, six national championships. Number one, without a doubt. Without a doubt. Uh, all okay. right. Now this is where it gets a little dicey. We go to number two. Uh, do you want to go first?
2: Yeah, because I think we might disagree. Okay. Kirby Smart.
1: Mm, all right. What has Kirby do, Smart done? He
2: just took his team to the championship. Mm-hmm. Had an eight and five year, and followed it up with what you saw this season. Yeah. Um, and. Not only that, but he's building the foundation, right? You look at the way his team plays, his team is playing like Alabama, okay? Play great offensive line play, great defense, and great running backs. And then you look at the recruits he's getting. Yeah. Georgia's here to stay. This isn't just like a a, a crazy run like Will Muschamp had at, at Florida early on. I remember he went like 11-2 and two and then fell off. That's not going to happen with Kirby Smart in Georgia. Kirby Smart is building – something special at Georgia. I think Kirby Smart is on the rise, and I like him at number two. I would take him – if I had my pick for coach, I would take him – if Nick Saban was off the board, I would take him over everybody else.
1: Mm. I've got him at number four. Woo. Yeah. I know he got number you two. You still have to go with the guys that have already won it, don't two, you? Two. Don't you have to? Yeah. I mean, you look at Fisher and uh, this past year – I mean, obviously, it was a horrible year for Florida State. But, I mean, you're looking at a guy that uh, 83 and 23 overall, five and two in bowl games. He's got a national championship as a head coach, also as an assistant. Just because he has one bad year, and because you're ticked off that he's getting 75 million dollars over the course of the 10 years, and the Aggies mad at made a bad business move that he doesn't deserve to be number two. Can I can I say something? He's about not a him? one-year wonder. He's
2: not a one-year wonder. He, with Jim, Jimbo Fisher, aside from the playing style, is a, really similar to Les Miles. I made this argument years ago. The fact that he's going to always do great in recruiting. He's going to always have really, really talented teams. NFL talent all around. But but they lose games because of discipline. They, they lose games because of discipline here and there. And that's why I like Kirby Smart. His team doesn't have discipline issues.
1: Mm. All right. So who are you going to put at number three then? Since you have Kirby I have, Smart, I still have Jimbo. Three. Okay, you put Jimbo three.
2: He won the. Ch- he did win a national championship. Y- you have to, even if he had Jameis Winston, I still got to go with 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 Jimbo at number three. He he has that championship on his resume.
1: Uh, Trent with a point here. Kind of sounds like Coach O making the reference to Kirby Smart. First year not good. Uh, yeah, even year two, Georgia fans were going nuts after Kirby's first season. They barely beat Nichols State. Cardinals. Take it easy on Coach O.
2: And he ends
1: Trent always comes to the defense. Trent loves always... him some coaches. Yes.
2: Yeah. yes, he does. Number one Orgeron fan is Trent.
1: Trent's probably got Orgeron as the second best coach in the SEC. <laughs> <laughs> please please say that's not so. Alright, uh, so we got uh who are we going to number three then? What about Gus Malzahn? Where are you gonna put him at? You here? went
2: Malzon at three? Uh yes I did. I got him same, at five.
1: same principles as I use for a Jimbo Fisher above Kirby Smart.
2: What does he want?
1: Year in and year out, where's Gus Malzon been?
2: Depends on what year you're talking
1: about. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> no, Malzon's uh, takes a lot of flag.
1: And he already beat Saban.
2: He has beaten Saban. Uh but I go I go Dan Mullen at four. I go Dan Mullen and then I go Malzahn. Ooh, Malzahn had the Auburn resources. Okay, he had the Auburn resources, and yes, that he does have to battle Alabama in recruiting, and, and I understand how difficult that is in state. But I go Mullen because look at what he's done, what he did with Mississippi State. Mississippi State was number one in the country. Okay, just a few short years ago, Mississippi State was having a good year and really should have beat Ole Miss, but then Nick Fitzgerald gets hurt and Mm -hmm. craziness ensues. But I still you know, tip my cat to Dan Dan Mullen. I think – I'll tell you this right here, right now. I think Dan Mullen at Florida is going to do more than Jimbo Fisher at Texas A&M. Write that down. Write that down. And that's why I have him number four, and I I thought about putting him three, honestly. But I couldn't because Jimbo has that championship. Yeah.
1: It's gonna be exciting times down in Florida. I got uh, Dan Mullen coming in at number five, at number six, and this is kind of where we get to the point uh-huh. where you're like, oh, yep, yep, yep. Who hey, you got? E. Who
2: hey, you got at six?
1: Uh, I'm gonna go with uh, Will mustard Not, I don't feel very good about it. I uh, Fifteen and eleven overall at South Carolina.
2: Yeah, I, I don't, I can't hit on it too bad. He he failed at Florida though. Yeah. He failed at Florida. The, team, the program regressed, okay, and they had NFL talent. You look at that defensive talent. They had NFL talent. The reason why I'm not mad at you for that is because of what he's done at South Carolina. I keep going back to his first year where they, he lost Sky Moore. He lost their best player. And whenever I saw that, I completely wrote them off. I said, well, you know, Muschamp's whole thing is his defense, and now he loses Sky Moore. There's no way South Carolina's going to compete, and they did. And then they had this great season – uh, to follow suit, so I, I, I'm not mad at you for that. Who I put at number six, though, was that Orgeron.
1: <laughs> what a reach!
2: <laughs> this is why I yeah. put him over. I put him over uh, Muschamp because Orgeron saved two seasons as an interim. USC, LSU, this past year, I know. Things soured when they lost to Notre, Notre Dame in the bowl game and everything with Matt Canada. But before that, after the Troy loss, everything got back on track. He beat Auburn, who, who who would go on to beat Alabama and Georgia. He beat Florida at Florida. You could say, well, Florida wasn't very good. You say that
1: about the whole back half <laughs> of the schedule. Jake, I believe if he would have beat Notre Dame, you probably would have had him in the top three. No, I wouldn't have.
2: Yeah. I would have I still had him there. I would still had him at six, but I would take him over Muschamp, and you could say, you know, Orgeron failed at at Ole Miss, I get it, but that was a lot, that was over a decade ago. Muschamp recently failed at Florida, and is on his second tenure with South Carolina, and he's done a good job, I I admit that, and that's why I have Muschamp at seven. But I give Orgeron, I give Orgeron six, because of what he did as interims, and because of this past season, I thought it was a, it was a good season for LSU, considering the offensive line depth that he did have. I mean, entering the season, you think about what they missed on the offensive line. Thought he did a good job. <laughs> You're shaking your head at me.
1: <laughs> I mean, it's hard for me to defend Will Muschamp, but he, he does have a national championship ring as uh, an assistant coach. Oh, are we doing that now? And you know, I agree with what well, he did at Florida. Coach. His this overall, yeah, right overall, he's 43 and 32 overall. It ain't, it ain't great. And as we said, this is where it gets kind of tough at number six. But I think you're stretching to put Orgeron at number six, considering. Who, who else? You, you ha- who do you have at seven? Well, you know who I got at seven.
2: Oh, my <laughs> God. No, you don't. There's no way you do. Yes. There's no way.
1: Chad Morris comes in at number oh. seven from Arkansas. Oh, my goodness. As the seventh best coach in the SEC. What he did at Clemson. That uh, is as a that He was one of the offensive assistant coach of the year. He goes to SMU and takes that dumpster fire, and then you know, produces a winning season in year number three, and now he'll move on to Arkansas, and he is a better coach than at Orgeron.
2: Chad Morris, at number seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, Aaron, let's just, okay, let's just simplify this to Orgeron versus Morris. What has Morris? This is this is all a projection. This is all you saying that he will be successful. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about today. Yeah. Head coaches today.
1: All right. Well, let's just go. And you're going to say, well, it's the high school ranks. But he has been a head coach a lot longer than Ed Orgeron ever dreamed of. And what he did it, not only at one program, but literally at four or five different programs inside the state of Texas. I mean, you can I'm just sorry, discount. I'm sorry. Are we
2: talking about high school? Well, you can discount the. Well, we could,
1: we could talk about Doug Peterson at Calvary and what he did there. Now he's coaching in the Super Bowl. I'm just saying, don't discount what he did at the high school level in texas and then of course what he's done in the college ranks whether it was at tulsa or then moving over to clemson everybody just glosses over well you know he he was at clemson he just did whatever Dabo said so he had a losing record he was at smu who wouldn't have had a losing record at smu Aaron, you'd put ed orgeron at smu they may win two games
2: I have a little more faith in Orgeron than that, yeah, right. okay? But let me tell you this. I'm not discounting what he did on the high school level. That's great. Yeah. But I don't. I also don't think you can factor that into this conversation because high school and college are so different. Yeah. How is he going? Ed Orgeron is a proven recruiter. And we, we look at Chad Morrison and we go, he should be successful because of his ties in Texas. Yeah. But it's not proven yet. Ed Orgeron has proven to be a closer, one of the best recruiters in the country. Yeah.
1: I think at SMU they had uh, three or four players on the entire roster that were from the state of Texas. How that happens with June Jones, I don't know. He takes over. The entire roster is full of Texas kids. I think we saw what that did on the field.
2: Oh, yeah. And you got Chavis as, as defense coordinator. Yeah, well,
1: now that was the one thing that <laughs> is a little alarming, a little concerning. Uh, Maybe it's just a little bit of a hiccup at Texas A&M. We've
2: got we got a lot of texts here yeah. about this. Uh, Hogan says, you are the man, Aaron. Yeah, Go Hogs. You, yeah. uh, Aaron says, we'll see what you say in two years. The next Kirby, that's a stretch. Yeah. This is is it a coincidence that this came from somebody named Aaron? <laughs> Greg says, I'm with you, Jake. Aaron has been smoking those Mexican <laughs> cigarettes. <laughs> Should we take a time out and then reveal the rest of our list? Yeah, yeah you got I need to, some time to process. Well, you what need you to rethink
1: a lot of different things where you have around uh, and of course Kirby Smart.
2: Chad Morris,
1: uh, you can weigh in on the poll. You can either uh, find us on Twitter. That is at
2: Morning Drive nine seven seven. Please, everyone, text in and tell Aaron just how idiotic he sounds putting Chad Morris. Over at Orshra.
1: Or you can hit us up on the Stuart Shelby State Farm hotline slash text line 888 993 7762. We're back after this.
0: If you or a loved one have been injured or a victim of medical malpractice, you need to go Guerrero. I'm Lauren Guerrero and my father is Jeff Guerrero. He has helped
3: thousands of people who have been injured in auto accidents, offshore accidents, drug recalls, and victims of medical negligence. So if you or a loved one have been injured through no fault of your own, do what thousands of injured clients have already done.
0: Go Guerrero. Call
3: 24 hours a day at 325 4306 or come by the office at 2200 Forsyth Avenue in Monroe.
0: The way you purchased a car in the past is changing. With Ronnie Ward Toyota of Ruston.com, chop our inventory new and used, value your trade, and apply for financing from home on your couch in the comfort of your bed. Wherever you choose, whenever you want, at Ronnie Ward Toyota of Ruston.com, we'll hand you your keys so you can get to the important things in life. Visit Ruston.com. Drive your dream, live to
3: drive. If you're a homeowner, you know how important curb appeal is. It does make a difference how your home looks from the street. An old broken garage door does nothing for curb appeal. In fact, it can lower your home's value. But a beautiful new door from Bayou Overhead Door not only adds to your home's curb appeal, it can provide the protection, privacy, and energy savings your family needs. For over 35 years, Bayou Overhead Door has installed only the best, highest quality Clopay doors and equipment to homes and businesses throughout North Louisiana. Now they also offer seamless gutters and durable floor coverings for your garage, patio, porch, or driveway installed in just a day. So whether you're building a new home or remodeling your existing home, call for a no-cost consultation about the right garage doors for the best curb appeal in the neighborhood. Bayou Overhead Door, 322-1090. Or visit their user-friendly website, BayouOverheadDoors.com. local sports talk is on the air on the morning drive this hour is sponsored by ronnie ward toyota rustin
1: uh good text you got Uh, some good text coming in uh you you can read it
2: uh it's it's about you you should
1: read it uh has uh trouble uh telling the difference between his head from his so it's not surprising listening to his picks (laughs) don't put your name on it though come on yeah you gotta Uh, you you gotta own it yeah All right. um, Uh, Dotson uh, says uh, Coach O hasn't proved anything yet. The future looks good for the Hogs under Morris.
2: I I disagree with that. He has proven Mm -hmm. that he at least belongs. Mm -hmm. There you go, Matt. Matt owned it. All right, Matt owned it. Good job, Matt. So he's secured the Louisiana border, right? He's gotten the in-state recruits, which is one thing he promised. So he uh did do that. He broke his promise about the O.C., by
1: the way. Yeah, he brought in the two best coordinators in the country. They're well, open he didn't it bring a in bit. He held on to Rivera, yeah.
2: But uh, he took a team that lost to Troy and put them back in the top 20. That's you know worth, worth mentioning, especially when you look at the depth on both sides of the trenches. Mm-hmm. They didn't have much depth in the offensive line and the defensive line. And you add in his interim resumes. Yes, I have no issue with putting him – at number six in the SEC. Uh,
1: we revisit our uh, rankings for the top uh, eight. I had uh, Sabin one, Fisher two at number three. Went with uh, Gus and then uh, Kirby Smart at number four. At five, uh, went with Dan Mullen at number six. You had Must Champ. Les Champ. And then at seven, Chad Morris. And then Mr. Ed Orgeron coming in at number eight. He barely got in your top eight. Yeah. I had Nick
2: Saban at one. I had Kirby Smart at two. I had Jimbo Fisher at three. Dan Mullen at four. Gus Malzahn at five. Ed Orgeron at six. Muschamp at seven. And I didn't tell you my, my number eight. This is So you have so many new coaches. You have to take a gamble. You have to uh, kind of look at these and, and project who's going to have the most success. Guess who I put? Joe Moorhead. Mm. Over your boy, Chad Morris. Wow. I like, I like more head a lot. Uh,
1: before we get to number nine through 14, got a couple of them here. Randy directed at you, I think, calling you a sunshine pumper. Yes. Uh, Shane C says, uh, did he interview Did he interview Snoop this morning? Uh, Doug, <laughs> go ahead and put Chad Morris over Saban with that far-fetched statement saying, Chad is better than Orgeron. <laughs>
2: Uh, those are two completely different things, Doug, yeah. but I I see where you're going with that. Um and I'm not a sunshine pumper. I'm just stating the facts. What what did what did he do this year? What what has Chad Morris done? he 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 did a good job at SMU his last year. I mean he 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 took a dumpster fire and he made it somewhat relevant again and I don't know. I just you can't sit here and talk about all of his accomplishments at the high school level and act like that that has some sort of merit in this debate. It's two different games. I, yeah, is he a great coach? Absolutely. Is he going to have success at Arkansas? I believe so. I believe that offense will soar with Morris. I'm still not convinced the defense will stop anybody.
1: But Yeah, but you were the first one when uh, the chief, John Chavis, was at LSU. You were probably praising his efforts and saying, man, what a great defensive coordinator LSU has.
2: He, he was good at LSU. What happened? Hmm. And went to A&M. What happened? Well, that was someone. Okay. Well, is Morris going to be different? Mm-hmm. We'll see. We don't
1: know. Uh, so we get into this, and now we go 9 through 14, and now it gets a little difficult. A uh, number of new coaches in this, and you want to look at perhaps uh, some of the new guys having success early on at their new schools. How about this That uh, Ten SEC coaches have won at least five more games than the previous head coach in their first year. So there has been a time when you come in and you can make an immediate impact and, of course, uh, make a difference right from the get-go. So
2: real quick, I want to read these texts because we're getting a lot of them. Chris Perthro says, I'm a Hawks fan, and I'm not impressed at all about what Coach has done so far. Uh, Shane C. says, no, I agree with you. I don't think Chad is better. And Aaron says, if LSU had any of Arkansas's last four quarterbacks, they'd have national championships. Why can't they get quarterbacks? And
1: Georgia has so many. They're transferring out. Yeah. It's a million-dollar question. It is. Yeah. We'll, we'll ask that forever. All right. Uh, so, at number nine, you had uh, Chad Morris, correct? Number nine, Chad Morris. All right. Uh, you look at this list. I mean. Oof. Now it gets tough. Yeah. I got. You know, Mark I'm Stoops making a list, 10. and then I don't even put Barry Odom on there. And what Missouri did this past year? It's tough because, oh,
2: man, I got Mark Stoops at ten. I, I, Mark I,
1: Stoops, uh, what he has done in Kentucky. You look at his overall record. Is, you know, some are going to scoff at it twenty six and thirty six. But yeah. I mean, it is with the Wildcats, and uh, they have made strides. Here
2: they made strides, but they underachieved this year. I thought this year was going to be the year. They took a next step and actually competed uh, a little bit more, and they just didn't. Uh, he still has Kentucky knocking, and that's why I have him at 10, but I'm not, you know, it, you're, you're really looking at these coaches and going, it, it could go a lot of different ways. But I have him at 10. Who do you have at 10? Uh,
1: well, I just got a bunch of chicken scratches here once I got past number nine. But I was amazed that you had Moorhead ranked so high because you did some great things at Penn State with that offense. I'm projecting. Yeah, Like you're projecting the, the, with Morris. What what, what, is, what are his ties to the SEC and his knowledge and his experience? And I know some will say, well, what about Chad Morris and the experience he has in the SEC?
2: But it's a projection. You have to take a risk sooner or later uh, um, with these new coaches, and I think Dan Mullen left him more right. than what Chad Morris got at Arkansas. Right. That's my projection. I think he'll have a better year at Mississippi State than Chad Morris will. Now, will Chad Morris be the better coach in the long run? Maybe. Mm. But we're talking about today.
1: Then mm. I mean, you got a guy like Derek Mason there at Vandy. and then
2: I got him at 11. Mm. And the reason why, you know, if we would have did this list last year, before the season started, he would have probably cracked the top eight. Yeah. I mean, he had the program moving. And then you think about this year, uh, he had them moving again, and they ran into Bama. And Bama crushed them. And then they go one and seven in the conference. It's the biggest head-scratcher seeing what, what happened to Vanderbilt. I mean, at least with Vanderbilt, with Derek Mason involved, you thought they're going to have great defense at the very least, and they didn't really have that this year. So I got him at 11, and then, you know.
1: Pruitt? Uh, Jeremy Pruitt now at Tennessee? Put their first choice?
2: No, I got him at 13. Yeah. And I got Matt Luke at 14.
1: Yeah, Matt Luke is the one you're like, well, and then the, the – the hand that he was dealt, and, you know, he knows what he's getting into.
2: Yeah, it's, a, it's uh, a good move for Ole Miss just because of the predicament you're in, and he's an Ole Miss guy, so might as well, you know, give it to him. He's going to have a lot of passion about that job. You don't have to worry about him leaving or anything. So I, I, I don't see any issue with them making the hire, but if you're comparing him to other coaches, I think he has to be bottom of the conference.
1: All right, this is what I take away from this uh, little debate. Uh Once again, you are in love with Ed Orgeron. How how Uh, do you take that Number number two, Kirby Smart, with your projections, because you know how well they've recruited and what they've done with their quarterback play. Just look at it. But you still put him ahead of other guys that have certainly done it longer and have done better.
2: Yeah, but I just look at, you know, and we have proof. It's not like just a projection. We have proof we saw what Georgia did this year. They had a phenomenal season, and this is still the beginning. This is still the beginning for him. I, I, you look at these recruits that he's bringing in. You look at the style of play that they're playing. They play physical football, and they're going to add you know, these great athletes that they're getting to that. Yeah, how can you not put Kirby? I, I would want Kirby Smart over anyone else aside from Nick Saban. Mm-hmm. If I had my pick, and that's the way I did this list, if I had to make a draft. If so I had, if
1: these 14 coaches are standing on the schoolyard and you get an opportunity to pick your coaches.
2: Kirby. Yeah. Uh, of course, that's Saban's already gone. So mm-hmm. Kirby, mm-hmm. and then uh, honestly, it would be
1: awesome if they're standing out there because Orgeron would be in the corner pouting.
2: <laughs> I would get him six. <laughs> <laughs> no, and honestly, I would, I would, I would be tempted to take Mullen over Fisher. Yeah.
1: I would be tempted. Uh, text here, you can argue with both coaches at LSU and Arkansas. Both, uh, the truth is, neither is capable of leading teams to the national championship. Oof.
2: You should take more offense of that than me. <laughs> You're the Chad Morris lover.
1: All right, once again, if they want to weigh in on the poll, where can they find it on Twitter?
2: Morning Drive, 977.
1: How many followers are we up to? Are we over your wife's number yet?
2: <laughs> we got 141 followers. We kind of stopped, though. You know, we, we, we got some good momentum, and then high school football season ended, and we kind of fell off the tracks.
1: Mm. We need to do like Clay Travis. Could uh, Jake Martin have made the tackle? in the game against the Minnesota Vikings. Yay or nay? Yeah,
2: yay or nay. Um, and who's, who's the better athlete, Michael Jordan or or Tom Brady?
1: <laughs> oh, brother.
2: We hey, got hey, some hey. more text. Hold on. Let's all read right. this before we go. Larry Munro says definitely uh, would go. All-
1: yes, Larry's a smart guy.
2: He said definitely would go with uh, Chad Morris. He was my pick as LSU coach when Les Miles was fired. Maybe with Morris as LSU coach, he would have gotten a good passing quarterback. Richie says Aaron having – morris at seven and orgeron at eight was nothing more than an attempt to ruffle (laughs) feathers i'm not sure he even believes this nonsense
1: oh i've never been known to stir the pot come on
2: Aaron says jimbo has been coaching for 100 years he was bound to have a few good seasons eventually
1: good stuff 888-993-7762 we're gonna ask gus after break and then we'll ask a number of uh, nfl questions he'll join us from down in the big easy coming up next
0: Thanks for listening to The Best of the Morning Drive with Dietrich and White. To listen live every day, tune in at ESPN977.com or subscribe in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find podcasts.